Hey, Gavin. Hey, Louie. Or should I say, hey, Barbie. <laughs> Let's go party. Okay, I thought you were gonna call me Ken. God, Gavin. No. Uh, <laughs> do you do you look at do you look at yourself and you see you see Ken? Not you enough see? Ken. Not enough Kenergy. Yeah, I don't think you're enough. Wow, drag me to fucking hell <laughs> here on this very day, America and beyond. You heard it first. I've been hate crimed. And by, by that, you're specifically speaking to America Ferrera. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> our our one listener, America our, Ferrera. My goddess, America Ferrera. <laughs> um, I was just on Hulu and I noticed that like it's suggesting Ugly Betty. And I'm like, oh, are the girlies now like excited and watching Ugly Betty because America Ferrera's in Barbie? Do you think it has to do anything with that Netflix show, which I don't I don't want to say rip off because I don't even remember the name of it. Okay. But there's that Netflix show with Kim Cattrall and the oh, nice young Glamorous. Non- yeah, glamorous, thank you. Yes. And I every time I see an ad for it, I'm just like, this is just ugly Betty. This is I've like been, queer been, ugly Betty. I haven't seen Glamorous, but it's ugly Betty. I'll watch it well, now. Well yeah, because it's because the isn't the lead like gets an assistant is is an assistant to like a high price fashion person. It's it's a little ugly Betty, it's a little Devil Wears Prada. Okay, okay. It's it's a little tw- fur- where the it's twain a, meets. It's I a little guess. fergy. It's a little fergy. Uh, it's a little bit country. Uh, it's a little bit rock and roll. Hey. Uh, <laughs> love, love, love that. Welcome everyone to the mixed reviews. We are a film podcast where we take a film subject such as an actor, director, or a mini genre. We take some amount of time and we can never be sure yeah you you'll never know and we do a bunch of research and then we come back and we tell you all about our subject and we tell you what we don't like and what we do like for this episode i watched a couple documentaries oh Um, nice i love i love love a good doc moment i love a good doc i love when our subjects um have a lot of good academia on them and 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 today's subject there's a lot so um, I'm excited to get into it. But before we do that, um, we know it's been a while, but it, it's it's the dog days of summer, babe, okay? Um, oh, yeah. And, and we're barking. Warm out. And we are barking. Uh, I, feel, I feel like I've been saying it's warm out for the last seven, eight episodes. <laughs> Literally, the earth is on fire. We are melting. Every, every day. So yep. <laughs> it's okay, though. Personal responsibility, everybody. Yeah. Not, so not please- large corporations. Please close those fridges. Please close those fridges. fridges. Uh, Our last episode, we talked about the one, the only, Miss Anna Paquin. um, And we asked you guys to go online and vote for your favorite movie. And here are the results. Um, In a stunning last place, (laughs) X-Men with 9%. Um, I guess the girlies were not. Going rogue for rogue. Yeah, um, I feel. I feel like somebody took off their glove, touched that choice, sucked all the votes out of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, in a surprise third place, fly away home with fifteen percent. Um, we have com- a very millennial audience. <laughs> yeah, the, you guys saw this in uh, in class the same way that me and Kevin did. <laughs> um, the piano, which was my pick, came in at second place with thirty three percent, and in first place. The movie snobs won, Gavin. This round goes to you, Margaret, with 42%. Listen, if you ever want to see a prolonged scene of someone dying slowly after being hit by a New York City bus, mm-hmm. here cinema, it is. baby. Cinema. Wait, and who is the person who dies? It's a famous actress. Um, it's, it's a, oh no. It, it, uh, oh, it's Alison Janney. <laughs> thank you, Alison Janney. America's favorite, Alison Janney. Yes, um, 
casual. She showed up to die on a screen and n- never returned. Uh, <laughs> but yes, Margaret, you know, I, 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 I was a little mixed. The reviews were a little mixed on Margaret for me. Um, but it, I think it speaks to Anna Paquin's um, range, really. She has such a kooky little canon of movies from blockbusters to weird indie things to some real snoozers is what I'll say on that. Yeah. Uh, but also, Gurley is a child star. She is my favorite child actress. <laughs> Take that. Though, I was talking on the Discord earlier. Um, I recently watched Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret. That child actress was incredible. All I'm the girls. I'm excited to see it. I, I've been meaning to see it, and uh, I just haven't been able to make the time yet. All of the girlies that they cast in that movie, like, and literally, I mean, like, the children, like, the teens. <laughs> uh, you mean, like, literal girlies. <laughs> literal girlies. Uh, literal girlies, and then also Kathy Bates and Rachel McAdams, who are icons. Um, uh, so, but, but yes, so, um, Anna Paquin, thank you so much. We really enjoyed having you miss Bicon for our Pride episode. Um, but, but we do have to tell you to go tell to the bees. Girl, you better go tell to the fucking bees. <laughs> buzz, buzz, honey. Oh, you couldn't get a ticket to go see Beyonce? Go tell to the bees. Go tell to the bees. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but don't see that movie like that. You, No one needs to see that movie. Yeah, really. yeah. I, uh, I did make a... Uh, uh, what are the promo video for that one specifically because we cut some stuff out because we <laughs> talked about that movie for a long time and i'm like hmm, maybe i'll I, release that one maybe i won't <laughs> i think it's because we were astounded by like the the, the movies are so jarring like the yeah. bees the fake bees so uh, many fake bees and she's t- that little boy said i got a secret buzz buzz <laughs> um Anyway, let's show close the chapter on Anna Paquin. Um, we live, we laugh, we love. Um, justice for Rogue. Um, Gavin, tell the girlies who we are talking about today. We are talking about the screen legend, the goddess of love herself, Margarita Cameron Concino, also known as Rita Hayworth. Miss Rita Hayworth. My goodness, Gavin. Yeah. There there are certain episodes we do where it's just like the beauty, the glamour, the 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 magnetism of the star power is just so insane. Um and this episode is definitely one of those. Um I so you know obviously me and Gavin took a little more time on this episode. I was traveling, there's a lot going on, but I'm so glad we didn't try and rush it because this was a very hard episode for me to like. I wasn't hunting for one star reviews, but like yeah. every episode, even like bad episode, uh, bad movies or like not as good movies, I'm like, my goodness, she is just like a luminous, gorgeous, beyond talented. Absolutely. Like, like sometimes you talk about singer dance, um, actor dancers. She is the original. She is the Truly. blueprint. Like, and. It's so interesting to watch someone the camera loves so much. And I'm not out here trying to, like, anthropomorphize cameras. (laughs) But it it does, when she's on screen, it radiates. It sparkles. She has that magnetism. There are some people that truly don't. And yet we still Mm -hmm. keep giving them movies to Missy Chalamet. And (laughs) for some reason... Don't come for my Wonka. (laughs) 
get that chocolate out of here. Um, we must kill that Oompa Loompa. But <laughs> anyways, uh, Rita Hayworth, though, is so gorgeous. So, like, you truly understand why she earned that nickname, the love goddess. Because yeah. she can make you fall in love with her with just a glance. Yeah. And she also, though, what I realized, you know, I hadn't seen... I think I'd seen Strawberry Blonde because we did it for our Olivia de Havilland movie. Yes. Or episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hadn't seen literally anything else. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, you think she's going to be one thing. She's known as the love goddess, this bombshell. So you think you're going to get a va-va-voom, Marilyn type, you know, persona. Um, and she does do that. Like, she is a femme fatale. But then she's so funny in other movies. She's very funny in Strawberry Blonde. Like, you know? Yeah. Um, she also is, like, so tragic and, like, dramatic and passionate. She has... That woman has chemistry for days, honey. <laughs> oh, you need some? I, she has extra for everybody. Yeah. She has more chemistry than a chemistry set. Periodic yes. table said, never heard of her. Never heard of her. <laughs> she She's quaking in her boots. For Miss Rita Hayworth. Um, did, were you familiar with Rita's work? Yes, but not in a large extent. I, For some reason, earlier this year specifically, I had watched her two Fred Astaire movies. Okay. And I really loved one of them and really did not like the other, funny enough. Okay. Um, but uh, I'd mostly known her from Gilda. I saw Gilda years and years ago. In fact, I really sort of count this rewatch for this episode as kind of like my first time because it's it's been over 15 years since i saw gilda but i i knew she was this you know gorgeous seductive that she could land a line without Mm -hmm. any i mean there's scenes in gilda where she's just like shooting arrows directly at yeah her co-star and the but other than that like you know, maybe these three films, I hadn't really seen her in much. I hadn't even seen uh, Howard Hawks' Only Angels Have Wings, which is a Cary Grant film. And we've done a Cary Grant episode. Yeah. And and so I, she was kind of a major blind spot for me. I knew, you know, the, the stories about her. And I obviously the most famous uh, quote of hers, the men go to bed with Gilda and wake up with me, mm-hmm. which I think most people our age actually know from Notting Hill mm. because Julia Roberts says it in that movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I, I was really excited to do this episode because I was I was like, oh, well, there's going to be a lot of things that are new to me, a lot of things I haven't seen before. And so I'm really happy we were able to like kind of dig deep because also her real life was just kind of endless tragedy after endless tragedy yeah marked with tragedy she she i think she was a person with a lot of love to give and unfortunately that love went to a lot of not great people yeah yeah i think certainly the the horrors of being a woman in hollywood at this time period the horrors of even for like literally she (laughs) half Irish half Spanish is a white woman but like still too exotic to like be all American um I mean it, the things they did to her to turn her into a leading lady and we'll yeah. get there but yeah so I I you're right she was a natural performer um so charismatic and the things that she had to do 
to just be the star that she already was is insane. Yeah. Um, that being said, why don't we jump into our rewind? Rita was born as Margarita Carmen Cancino. She was born in Brooklyn. Um, her parents were Dan Sales. Um, <laughs> and like, not just any dancers, like they were fully um, vaudevillian follies dancers. They were pro dancer characters. And she said, you know, ever since she could basically stand on her feet, she was in class. She was taking, you know, some sort of dancing class. She said she didn't even fucking like it. You know, yeah. it was just something that she did. I had been studying dancing since I was five, four, five, six, seven years old, eight. And I could dance and I danced with my father. I had a fine teacher. And because it was such a family, a familial thing, um, her mom was also an actress. Um, her dad was really like the, the big pro. Um, her grandfather was a renowned classical Spanish dancer. You know, like he literally popularized the bolero, which is yes. like one of the standard, you know, like <laughs> Spanish dances now that we all recognize. Huge in ballroom. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, so she went to dance classes every day at Carnegie Hall. Um, before her fifth birthday, she was already featured in Broadway. On, yes. On fucking like the Winter Garden the Winter yeah. Garden Theater, where you can go see um, Back to the Future <laughs> right now um, on Broadway. Um, uh, Rita was there ho- first. Former home of Rocky the Musical. Very long time home of Cats. Cats, yes, <laughs> correct. What what a legacy the Winter Garden has. The Winter Garden. Wow. I still just love that name. It's so, like, I don't know, um, kind of sexy, kind rem- of, like, mysterious. I, I, because I grew up in New York, but not the city portion, but I remember... On TV, there would always be the commercial for cats, the like, yeah, 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 yeah. and it'd be like at the winter winter garden now and forever. Ooh, Got I guess forever came too soon. Yeah, I'll show you my winter garden. Um, <laughs> so, at eight years old, she was featured in a short film for Warner Brothers um, as a dancer. She was this like little dancing diva of New York. Yeah. Um, since she was five, you know, like professionally booking um, jobs. Now, um, now, the bad side of this is mm-hmm. that she wasn't going to school. Mm-hmm. She was literally in dance classes. She'd be in the show at noon, be in dance classes for the rest of the day, and then the show in the evening. Um, she wasn't allowed to play with the other kids. And when she did have the opportunity to, like, socialize, she would basically sit apart from watching her brother play with all these other kids. And so she was kind of this lonely, shy child, except for when she hit the stage. Right. Um, Gavin mentioned she has two brothers, I believe. She's she's the eldest of three. Um, In 1927, her dad is like, we're going to fucking go to Hollywood. I began to work when I was 12 years old. Four shows a day, sometimes as late as two in the morning. I never complained. For even in those early years, I liked to work. There was depression at that time. And so when we needed money, I worked with my father at the age of 13 at a place in Tijuana. My mother was there, and my two brothers were with me. I did four shows a day, two in the afternoon and two in the evening. And in between the shows, I went to my tutor and had my lessons. Our next job was working on a gambling boat called the Rex out of Long Beach. And it was kind of a gambling boat. It was a terrible thing. 
So he moved to LA, took the entire family, and established his own dance studio where literally he was teaching people like James Cagney and Gene Harlow how to dance. Like he became ingrained in the Hollywood system um, to teach, you know, stars how to dance on in movies. Um, at this mo- moment, Rita is 12 years old. Yeah. He her father decides that he's going to have like an act called the dancing casinos. Um, He dyes her hair jet black and basically sexes her up. Yeah. Matures her, ages her up, um, makes her really leans into her quote unquote Latin appearance um, to really exoticize her. The casinos were, you know, from Spain and, you know, fiery. And it's basically like, it's using every stereotype to further themselves in the industry. They were going to be the Spanish dancers in Hollywood. Um, because she was too young to actually work in L.A., um, her dad would take them down to Mexico and Tijuana, and they would play in bars there. Um, and, and riverboat casinos. And literally, people would ask all the time, is that your wife, sister, mm-hmm. daughter? And he would be like, lol, I don't know. It's like crazy. We're so mysterious. And would really play up the sexual chemistry seems like the wrong word. But play up the like. Right. And- he he was not like, this is my daughter. Isn't she lovely? It was, we are just a pair. And who right. knows? Um, the she, I mean, the, the, there's a lot more darkness there so trigger warning oh. sexual oh. assault yes oh absolutely um, her father would often uh, get drunk and and gamble away the money that they would spend according to uh barbara leeming who was her biographer um he would get angry at her and beat her but never in the face because that's would be visible um and later she confided to orson wells according to leeming that her father had sexually assaulted her. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it, and so, like, it was... His, like, ruse was even darker than I think people, right. you know, thought. Right. And he was absolutely using her as a sex object, both literally and as, like, this cover-up for, you know, this act. Um, he wanted men to you know, look at his daughter in a sexual manner. And and on top of that, he was assaulting her sexually, which is horrifying, you know, yeah. for such a young woman to have to deal with that. And and this is the beginning of, like, she eventually wants to escape her father. She's like, I, I can't. Well, I guess I'm jumping ahead. But as part of, a um, you know, dancing in Mexico, um, Tijuana had a bunch of clubs that were really popular tourist destinations for people in L.A. Um, and so she was dancing at uh, Club Caliente, I believe it was called, um, and or the Caliente Club. And Winfield Sheehan, who was the head of Fox, was there and saw her and said, oh, my God. And he said, I want to, you know, let's do a screen test for you and, and get you signed on. Um, so he signed her to a six-month contract under the name Rita Cancino. Um, so she, you know, did a lot of small tip spots, was very just like exotic foreign girl, 
She danced, right. uh, you know, in a lot of them. Um, her first speaking role was as an Argentinian girl in Under the Pampas Moon in 1935. She played an Egyptian girl in Charlie Chan in Egypt, a Russian I'm, dancer. I'm sure it's Charlie Chan in Egypt. Just the most sensitive yes. film. Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah, God. Um, let's do Egypt and Chinese, and it's 1935. <laughs> I think it's going to be really, really um, groundbreaking. Uh, <laughs> so she... Sheehan was grooming her for the lead role in uh, 1936's Ramona, um, and he wanted to establish her as a new star. I didn't start out as, as a star. I started out in small roles, very small roles when I was very, very young, until I, uh, well, I guess, you see, I didn't become a star overnight. Unfortunately, um, Fox Studios merges with 20th Century, um, so Sheehan's out. You guys like fuck Rita Cancino. Yeah. Daryl F. Zanuck, history's yeah. classic good guy. Uh-huh. He said, fuck her. Um, and he did not renew her contract. Yeah. So she's she's kind of out again. And 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 she's still Rita Cancino. She still like hasn't transformed into Rita Hayworth that we know. Um, but so there is this man. I don't know too much about this fucking man, except that he doesn't sound like a great person. Um, Edward C. Judson. I was going to say, are we talking about Edward C. Judson? Yes. I think I know as much about him as you probably do. He, you know, is a salesman. He's, you know, a huckster, a shuckster. Uh, He senses that, like, Rita um, has this magnetism, this star quality. Um, But he's like, hmm, hmm, hmm. I think you're a little too foreign, a little too exotic, a little too not white enough, essentially. And he decides, and 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 this is kind of what, what I was talking about earlier, um, because he's charming, um, and she and he's like nice to to Rita. She's like, oh, maybe this is the way out from my father, because her father was so controlling. Not only was right. he assaulting her. He was not allowing her to, like, have friends, um, you know, go out. She was an object to him. So she elopes with Mr. Judson. um, And under his, you know, mentorship or whatever, he's like, let's change your hair color. Gone is the black hair. They dye it ginger red. Um, They also decide to fully move her hairline back. Through like electrolysis, yeah, um, at, at least a couple inches too, nonetheless. Like, and it yeah. was very painful for her. Right. If you see old pictures of her, um, she has kind of a widow's peak. Yeah. Um, and and you know she's still gorgeous, but after they move her hairline back, it is flattened out. She has a much larger forehead. It's just it's kind of like how drag queens make a bigger canvas space yes. for all of their glamour. Um, <laughs> and very so. That. They also, he decides, you know, Cancino is too much of an exact name. Um, so they decide to change her name to Hayworth, which was her mother's maiden name. Uh, and thus Rita Hayworth is born. What is there to say about Edward C. Judson? Orson Welles once referred to him, and we'll get to Orson Welles in a moment because he was one of her most famous relationships. Orson Welles once said Edward C. Judson was a pimp. Mm-hmm. And he was basically on his 
campaign to make Rita Hayworth the star, selling her out to whoever would help her rise the ladder. Mm. And, you know, that's not a pretty picture. Once again, that's Orson Welles's take on him. But it is known that she was living in an apartment at one point with no furniture because Judson had sold all of it in an attempt to pay for the things that would make her a star. So I think whatever can be said about him, he saw her as an investment. Yeah, which is a commodity. Exactly. Which is not a ton better than her own father. Right. This is another man who decided to use her for fame, fortune, glory, all the things. Um, We've said this many times in this podcast. (laughs) People are more important than art. Rita is an icon. And yes, she fucking had to struggle and went through hell and back to be the icon we know today. But like, if this woman could have not gone through any of this hell and and she didn't become famous then like that would have been a better life period like and she deserves that yeah she deserves she she deserved to not be used by men both like as a commodity as a sexual target like 100 percent. and like obviously you know there's a hypothetical situation is just a hypothetical situation in the end part of me wonders like if she hadn't been famous she might have even been happier because it seemed like and we're gonna get there obviously much later but it seems like much later in her life, when she wasn't working, when she yep. could get away from work, yep. she was really happy. <laughs> and yep. so, like, I, you know, but that's all she ever knew. And so, like, obviously, if all right. you ever know is constant work, of course. Yeah. But, but also, there are these, you know, to quote you, men. Uh-huh. Very that. <laughs> uh, speaking of men, uh, Harry Cohn, who is the executive or the head... Um, the co-founder and president of Columbia Pictures. Yes, he, he signs her um, to a seven-year contract and tries her on small roles. Once he sees this transformation, he's like, "Okay, here we go." Perhaps the most important lesson they made me learn was that I had to get my name and face in front of the public. In a way, this kind of life clashed with my personality, because I've always been extremely shy. Yet all the while, I've always been very ambitious. So time and again, I forced myself to do these things. It was all part of my job. There was talk now that I might actually become a star. And to me, it was only natural to want to be as big and as successful a star as I could. But also the tawdry little quirk of this is essentially Judson had sent her to have sex with Larry Cohn. And she was like, no, yeah, like, I don't want this man. And so even though he does, for some reason recognize the star quality probably because it's fully undeniable in her he knows you know if i don't take her and make her a star somebody else will but he also carries this lifelong grudge against her because he can never have her men (laughs) yeah and and her relationship with columbia which was her like so columbia becomes her playground like yes um and it's a very love-hate relationship both ways. Um, she appears in minor pictures. You know, at the time, Columbia wasn't, like, the big no guy in town at all. Yeah, they were very much a lot of B-movies, a lot of secondary features. And we've talked about, like, 
A movies and B movies before A movies being like, like, say, let's say like you go see Barbie this weekend. If A and B picture still exists, you might also get to see Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken. And that's... (laughs) You think a DreamWorks picture is a B movie? I mean, it's already on Paramount Plus, so it did not do well. Yikes, girl. Um, But so like that's how an ab picture sort of worked and so you know she would be starring in these b movies i just said b a lot uh-huh Tell, i'm really telling it to the bees you really are gavin <laughs> um and also uh you know the studio system and we've talked about this before uh you know back in the day actors literally worked for studios they would sign picture deals they owed the studio these studios this many amount of films yeah uh and so that's really what she was hoping for because she's already experienced the six-month contract loss with 20th century fox is getting like a, a main feature with columbia but i mean it sounds like this columbia contract was very ironclad yeah um, so she, he, her big break is in, uh, 1939 in Only Angels Have Wings. Um, Cone is, is that, yeah, Cone. Cone is, like, pushing for this director to be like, can you just put her in the supporting role, like, you know, yeah. please. Uh, and so he does. Uh, it's Only Angels Have Wings. <laughs> Such a dramatic title, first of all. Um, it's a, a movie about... So, Cary Grant stars... Yeah, so it's a an aviation movie in South America. They're in a port town sending goods hither and thither. Um, <laughs> and flying is crazy at the time, guys, because it's the fucking 30s. And it's so dangerous. And guess what? Only angels have wings. Think about that. <laughs> Um, uh, she plays an ex-lover who is also married to uh, the bad boy rival who pilot, yeah, yeah, pilot who like can't hold down a job, and so Cary Grant's gonna give him uh, a a dangerous mission to like prove himself. Uh, and then Gene Arthur's also there. <laughs> Gene Arthur, who I don't know anything about, but she's great in it. I think she's a natural. I think. Uh, I mean, obviously, Cary Grant's a fucking natural. I was like, okay, kiss me. Uh, <laughs> he wanted to. Don't worry. Yeah, I thank God. Someone. Um, but to, to Rita, you know, it's a smaller part, but I I bring up how good both Carrie and Gene are to say that, like, she's just as good. Like She really is. She's immediately so radiant, and she has the task of being like, surprise, bitch. that you thought you'd seen the last of me but then also you know lamenting loss and like how i mean a lot of this movie is just about how women are scared of their husbands flying and dying because how scary it is um i will say about this movie love all the practical effects i was like this is really good work for like you know back in the day you could tell they were using models um but it looks it looks really good I will say the stuff in between the practical effects, I found a little dull. I was like, correct. I, I was like, huh, we're just, we're still talking about doing it's, stuff. I was like, I don't understand what the main conflict is here. Um, <laughs> it just seems like every mission is dangerous and we shouldn't do it. Um, but, but I will say Howard Hawks did, um, 
he didn't love Rita. And, mm. you know, he they did a couple takes of the scene where she's drunk. And he's like, she can't act drunk. So he's like, Carrie, you know, I want you to pour water into her hair and rough her up a bit. And so that was like a actual shock to her. And I got to say, I was like watching it. I was like, yeah, she looks pretty shocked. She actually yeah, doesn't yeah, look like she yeah. likes that very much. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that scene. She's like screaming. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I used to wonder if I was right when we broke up. But I don't have to worry about it anymore. What did I do? You don't know what I'm talking about, do you? Well, you've got some listening to do, and I'm going to make sure you hear every word of it. Oh, shut I was terrified. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have that much experience working with superstars such as uh, Cary Grant was and Jane Arthur. But I call superstars because they were, you know, and are. I mean, they will always be in that sense, you see. After that movie, you know, she begins building up more of a relationship with Cone, um, who kind of is shepherding her through these beginning stages of her career at Columbia. Um, I don't know if you watched any of these, Gavin, Music in My Heart, The Lady in Question, Angels Over Broadway. I actually Um, watched all three of those. (laughs) How do you feel about these next three films? Um, I did not like Music uh, in My Heart. I was not a fan of Lady in Question. And Angels Over Broadway I thought was really cute. (laughs) They're all like kind of cute like music in my heart is a musical lady in questions like a courtroom comedy like she's acquitted of murder at the beginning and then a man liar liar yeah um and a man gives her a job in his bicycle store and uh, that was on the jury and she like falls in love with his son and it's like uh will he find out that she was this accused murderess even though she she was acquitted. Um, his son is also played by Glenn Ford, which is the first pairing of Glenn Ford. They would go wow. on to star in four movies together. Yes. And have a basically 40-year affair. There you go. Um, 1941 is a big year for her. Um, starts off with The Strawberry Blonde, which we talked about in our Olivia de Havilland um, episode. I texted you. I was like, you know what? I'm fucking watching this again because I remember <laughs> loving it so much. And I still love this movie. It's very cute. It's, it's so cute. It's so cute. It is it is the blueprint for so many rom-coms. I, I was just, again, shocked at like, we are still having movies where like, there's the girly who's like, uh-uh, love is bad. And then the other girly who's like, mm-mm, I love love. Um, yeah, I love everyone. <laughs> yeah. And so Rita plays the girly who loves love and... Um, the 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 scene that will just like forever be imprinted in my brain is them like waiting for the boys in the park. Yes, and, and she's like, "Oh no! Like, what do you mean? Like, you you don't even know these men, and they're just coming to meet you." And she's like, "No, I just told them that you know I might be in the park, and who knows?" <laughs> Amy, yes, dear. If there's something in your eye, Amy, I'll help you get it out. Oh, bosh, there's nothing in my eye. I just plain and simple winked at him, that's all. No, Amy. Either he's an old friend of the family's or there's something in your eye. I never saw him before in my life until a few minutes ago when I passed Fisher's drugstore. Oh, Amy, he followed you here? No. I followed him. Oh, Amy. It's just so, so funny. Um... She is very, very good. It's crazy town again that Olivia de Havilland has to play like the dumpy, frumpy, like ugly I know. girl. I know. It's like, hello, Alexa. Um, <laughs> but I do love 
again, she's just very funny in this movie. I think she's she ends up with her partner who is um, like her her affair turns out to be like a bust. He sucks, and she just like loves laughing at him in the end. Um, so Strawberry Blonde is great. Is um, is she not the titular Strawberry Blonde? Isn't she? Oh, the, she is. Yeah. Yes, I was yes. gonna say it's actually not Olivia De Havilland. It's her that's yes. the Strawberry Blonde. Yeah. She is the strawberry blonde, but I guess the gag is that, like, sometimes the strawberry blondes aren't the sweet ones, you know? Also, A life again, lesson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, though, I mean, we talked about this last time, but, like, the the movie is, I'm like, wow, so progressive. And at the very end, they're like, just kidding. She, <laughs> she doesn't smoke and she does want marriage. All that stuff she said earlier was just for lols. Yeah, uh, truly. Um... <laughs> um this year, she also, before we get to her next movie, she poses in an iconic life photo, which just, I mean, okay, movies obviously are a big part of culture, but like when you can penetrate the cultural zeitgeist outside of your movie, like you, then we've got something cooking. Right. Um, she poses for Life magazine. She's wearing this like black lace negligee and she's giving a little over the shoulder action. And she's on her bed. Yes. And um, P.S. The fucking war, the world war, ever heard of it? Has started, <laughs> and this is that, that one, the second that one, one. Uh-huh. the, second. <laughs> the <laughs> Terminator Two, the second one. Um, <laughs> this picture becomes the pinup, like that everyone, all the soldiers want, like around the world. Like she is the number one selling poster. Right. All the men are looking at her. Like if I can go home to my. My beautiful, beautiful girlies, just like Rita back home. And so she is now not just blasting off in movies. She is like, I hate I hate to use this reference, but like she's kind of like becoming like the Kim Kardashian, like, you know, oh, where wow. people what does yeah. people just like know I her? Hate like you for doing that. I know, <laughs> I'm sorry. And I, just to say, like, you know, Kim Kardashian's famous for being famous. And like right. in this moment before, like, because Rita hasn't had her signature movie yet. You know, right. So she, in this moment, is f- becoming famous for movies, but also is just like, whoa, this is someone who is fulfilling this fantasy, f- and like these poor fucking soldiers who are out dying during the war are just like, that's what they got in their wallet. Uh, that same year, she stars. Um, she goes back to Columbia. She was on loan to Warner Brothers to do Strawberry Blonde. So she goes back to Columbia, um, and she does. You'll never get rich. Opposite. Casually, Fred Astaire. Um, I saw it. You'll never get rich. It's a musical comedy. She's she's cute. I don't I don't remember it like leaving too much of a lasting impression on me. Um, I'm trying to remember which is which of the <laughs> ones I really liked and the one I I truly didn't. Um, but it is funny, you know, Fred Astaire, famous, obviously like famous dancing partner ginger rogers that's what everybody thinks of right but he said you know in his lifetime his favorite dance partner was rita hayworth and it's because ginger rogers knew the steps but rita hayworth was the one that was free in her movements and like that was a huge huge thing for him was being able to have a partner that like really reacted to the music and you know and so i i think like Shania Twain said it best. So you got the moves, but do you have the touch? <laughs> um, and Rita had the moves and the fucking touch, okay? Um, you'll, you'll Never Get Rich is the one I didn't like. <laughs> right, yeah. So this one is the one where, like, 
he's a choreographer and she's like this headstrong dancer. Um, it's kind of like a fart, like a, a comedy of errors type thing. Um, but yeah, it, I, I didn't really find the, um, narrative compelling. Yeah. Um, not really like no impression of this movie, except that like they have beautiful dancers, beautiful gowns, beautiful dancing, beautiful gowns. Yeah. Um, it at the time was one of the highest budgeted films Columbia had ever made, and it was very, very successful. So they teamed up again the next year for You Were Never Lovelier, which I'm assuming you liked, actually. Yes, I did. And You uh, you Were Never Lovelier is, you know, it's it's also sort of a comedy of errors, but she's, you know, she's an heiress, and she falls in love with this um, American... Uh, dancer who is like secretly in love with her as well and it, it's cute and but it also has some of like that was the movie that i was just like oh my god this dancing i was like this is gorgeous you don't know my kind of life well it's music and dancing isn't it yes well we love your north american music and dances down here oh but imagine a man like me having to dance for a living i can't imagine a happier way to earn one you know, there's a great weakness in my character. I'm a sucker for a horse race. They thrill me, too. Oh, but I'd probably bet my last cent on a horse. As a matter of fact, I did. I have a gambler's heart myself. You know, I think that's why your notes intrigue me so. Look, little lady, as they say in Brooklyn, I can't bat in your league. I didn't get to, like, obviously every movie, but, like, I was watching clips, and I was like, there's just so much innate beauty in these films. Yeah. At the... I think there is something really wonderful about, you know, watching these old movies, especially the ones where they were giving a lot of effort and budget and so many people were working on. Like, you can tell the craftsmanship of the costumes, the sets, the practical effects. Um, I think, like, I hate to be topical, but I think that's why people are responding to Barbie a lot also. Yes. It's <laughs> 100% yes. It's because, you know, you can, it's not just pixels. It's right. It's human work. It's craftsmanship. From like the acting and dancing and like singing right. to the the textures and the color, like oh, it's it's gorgeous. And even like, I mean, I think Barbie is the prime example. I mean, I mean, it just made like 160 million dollars in one weekend, unheard of. Uh, yeah. But you know, like even something like Wes Anderson's Asteroid City, which is a movie like thematically, I didn't necessarily connect with because I didn't actually think it had a lot to say. But I know other people have read a lot into it. But visually, like everything from you know, just the these trains that are actually model trains, essentially, or there's a roadrunner in it that's actually just a marionette. And it's these tactile things that are not these CG creations. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I think that's, you know, and obviously, like, Rita herself is 100% her own best special effect. Yeah. You know, she's doing all those dances. She's, you know, running all over the place in these dresses, shaking her hair out, moving her hips. And it's impossible to look away from. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy how she invented flipping her hair. She truly um, did. She invented flipping her <laughs> Nobody hair. Nobody did it before her. No one. Um, she had curls for days, the smile, the look. She was... She has like a little sneaky sneak <laughs> thing about her that's just so magnetic. Um, anyway, so her peak, you know, 
after this these Fred Astaire movies, after the life photograph, she here she is at the top of her cultural um, capacity. Um, in 1944, she does Cover Girl. Yes, put, put the bass in your walk, head to uh, toe. Let that whole body talk. Uh huh. A Cover Girl is one of two movies that are connected to. Our previous subject, Olivia Newton-John's film, Xanadu. Because Cover Girl stars Gene Kelly playing the same character that he would go on to play in Xanadu. Nuts. Nuts. A sequel, 40 years in the making. Um, And she's she's one of the few leading ladies to have danced both with Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire. I think there was six altogether. And it's funny, you know, late in life she was asked, you know... You know, what were the jewels of her life? And she said, uh, the pictures I made with Fred Astaire and CoverGirl. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, again, like I just, the, it's just a beautiful movie. Like everything yeah. is just beautiful. I mean, obviously, like the movie is about um, a woman trying to be on the cover of a magazine. Um, and so it's, like, it's like plot wise, very silly, but just gorgeous, sumptuous. And just the tricks that we're trying. And this has nothing to do with Rita Hayworth, but there's a scene where Gene Kelly dances with himself. And it's so well done. Like this cover girl is sort of, um, you know, people talk about singing in the rain as being one of the greatest movies ever made. Cover girl feels like Gene Kelly's trial run. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, it was like in Technicolor, so it's yeah. just like blasting like onto your eyeballs. I love Technicolor. Uh, As a colorblind yeah. person, nothing is more sumptuous to me than Technicolor. Yeah, does it feel like it's real like velvety? Oh yeah, it's it's it is it is. It's like that. Mm, it's just mm. like warmth and like a hug. So every time you're late, Maureen goes in. She might as well get up in it because the way it's going, it looks like she'll end up doing it. You see, to Maureen, this place comes first. You've hated it ever since I got to be a cover girl, haven't you, Danny? You want to be the big shot. There isn't any room in Danny McGuire's for any big shot. If you don't want me here, why don't you say so? By messing up your precious little place, why don't you say so? I've got some place to go. I'm not dependent on... Why don't you go, then? For three consecutive years, uh, Rita is named one of the top movie box office attractions in the world. Um, she's, oh, P.S., I mean, we, we talked about this. She is dancing the house down in yeah. all of these movies. Uh, you know, every, it feels like every chance uh, Cone could get to get her to dance in movies, he was like, let's do it. And uh, and hey, like, it wasn't just one style. You know, she's not just doing Spanish routines. She's doing ballet. She's doing tap. She's doing other forms of ballroom. She's really just laying it all out there. She's leaving it on the dance floor. Yeah. Um, the next three films. Um, so I didn't watch Tonight and Every Night. Did you? I did. It's an odd movie. It is okay. a it's a war movie. It's about a theater that uh like a a not burlesque because it's a movie from 1945, but kind of like a vaudeville theater that manages to stay open during the London Blitz. And gotcha. she falls in love with an army man and she kind of thinks that he's like not as interested in her, but it turns out he's like away on a secret mission. And there's another, there's a male dancer who auditions and then falls in love with her. And there's this really weird sequence where that starts with him tap dancing to opera, which I'd never seen before. And I really enjoyed it, but then switches to him doing like a 
uh, modern dance to one of Hitler's speeches. And I was like, oh, Jesus, yeah. what? <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I like this. Anyways, um, he falls in love with her as well. And when she turns him down, um, he falls in love with another dancer. But don't worry, they get punished because a bomb drops on them. Sure. Yeah. So- and that's... <laughs> You know, wartime entertainment, folks. Uh, yeah, I was like, who is this movie for? <laughs> um, so that's 1945. 1946 is the movie. The movie. Uh, Gilda. Um, so Tonight and Every Night is in Technicolor. Yes. Gilda is not. Gilda's a film noir, stark black and white. Um, you know, the it's funny. There's the... There's the famous scene you were just referencing it where she her introductory scene in the film is her name is said and she flips her hair. Flip up. your goddamn hair. <laughs> Lucy flip. Lou is in the background. Yes. Saying, Gilda, flip, flip your, your goddamn, goddamn hair. hair. Gilda, are you decent? Me? Sure, I'm decent. It's wild because I'd never, I'd seen the like GIF, I'd seen you know, like in retrospectives, they always show this like Hollywood which, glamour. Which one have you seen? Because it I was shot, tw- it was shot twice, and sometimes it's the black satin dress, and sometimes it's like a polka dot top. And the one oh, that's on the black one, I think. I was gonna say the the one that's in the movie is the black dress because she's wearing the black dress at the scene. But yeah, they filmed that scene twice for some reason. Uh, in the movie, it's very quick, and I think it's because censors were really not happy with this movie. It, yes. it, it was quite titillating for at the, for the time. Um, so she plays the titular Gilda. Yes. Um, the, the movie opens and it's like enormous letters like Rita Hayworth and then somehow an even bigger letters Gilda. Um, she is this woman who um, is married to like a mob boss. She has left her... Um, husband back in new york there in argentina I argentina believe. yep um and her mob boss guy owns the uh casino a, a casino down there um little does she know that her husband is now or her ex is now in argentina he ends up getting hired by the mob boss to fucking run the casino um and then she's like oh is it you hmm. <laughs> well and it's this cat and mouse, but also just like very heartbreaking. Yeah, it's they're, it's basically they're it's basically, so horny for hating each other. Yes, one <laughs> hundred. They're like, "Do you hate me? How much do you hate me? Show me how much you hate me." <laughs> it's it's so horny, but it's it's also very like fucking sad because they are trying to actually hurt each other yes. in any way they can. Um, this is her second picture with Glenn Ford, previously yes. mentioned. Yeah, uh, but Glenn- this is the first one that they like actually kind of fall in love on and like start their, okay. their back and forth. Um, she famously has this strip tease, put the blame on Mame. Yeah. Um, for, for which I don't, a lot of people died in the San Francisco earthquake. And I don't still know how I felt about like a little song and dance number about it. But <laughs> okay, I guess. But well, uh, just put the blame on Mame. Yeah. Um, you know the funny thing is, is she she like I'm putting this in air quotes for those of you not watching. Um, she sings mm-hmm. in a lot of her movies. Uh, the sad fact is, she doesn't sing in any of her movies. She is 
an incredibly talented lip syncer. Um, and she sent all the girls home. Yeah, absolutely. She, not that it matters anymore. Right. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, you, you can still win the game without winning the final lip sync. Uh-huh. I'm just saying. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, you know, so, but she, it wasn't for lack of trying. She wanted to learn to sing. And that was one of those things that like hate, hate relationship she had going on with Larry Cohn, where she would be like, Hey, let's do music lessons. And he was like, we'll do it later. And they just never did it. Or he'd be like, what for? Who cares? We can have it. Um, Yeah. And she was always embarrassed because she would go on USO tours and they would ask her to sing, and she was like, "Fuck my life." I, <laughs> you know, uh, so yeah. I mean, like, it's hard to uh, like overstate the cultural impact that Gilda has. Uh, this movie was one of the movies that they would play um, for soldiers, um, and again, just like that hair flip, she's a lot in negligees in this movie. She's a femme fatale. Um, the the cultural impact is so great that. They were putting pictures of, I believe, on, on an atomic bomb that on the, went on off. The, so on the fourth atomic bomb that we ever tested or set off, yeah, tested uh, at Bikini Atoll in the Pacific Ocean. Um, there was a picture. Ca- it carried a picture of Rita Hayworth and had her name on it. Um, she is with Orson Welles at this time. P- little personal life nonsense. Um, she divorces Judson in 42 she meets Orson Welles in 43. Orson Welles famously sees that life picture of her. He's been out of the country. He comes back into the country, sees that picture of her, and he says, I'm going to marry that woman. Orson Welles, it, I, the, 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 their pairing to me is such like freak art boy and like <laughs> and hot cheerleader girl. You know, like it's this. He's cute. He like I mean, young young Orson Welles is I'm not good saying looking. He's, I'm not saying he's not cute, but he's a fucking freak. Yeah, he's yeah, like he's like smarty pants boy, like you know, and and she's the hottest girl in class, and <laughs> so it's it's an iconic pairing. Like yeah, we absolutely. We stand. Uh, uh, but yeah, yeah. So he's in a relationship with her, um, and it's very contentious. He is fucking around any chance he gets, which is deranged because. He literally has Rita Hayworth at home Um, and she's not having it. They have a daughter together, Rebecca Wells, and, you know, they decide to try and make it work and then they're not going to make it work regardless. The point I'm trying to make with since we're talking about the atomic bomb is Orson Welles said, you know, Rita Hayworth could get mad and he would often see her fly into a rage, but he never saw her fly into rage as much as when she found out that they had put her picture on an atomic bomb to yeah. set it off. And she and to did be not... clear, the reason why they did that is because she was a bombshell. Yes. And she did not care that it was a tribute. She did not find it flattering at all. She was so mad that this literal destruction device, this, yeah. you know, thing that people truly believed could end the earth would carry her visage. She threw stuff. She, you know, broke things. She told him she wanted to march down to Washington and hold a press conference, and Harry Cohn wouldn't let her. She thought this was some publicity stunt that he had cooked up, and she basically had to be talked down and be like, you know, uh, that this wasn't, you know, this was their tribute, and it yeah. had nothing to do with you or anybody else. Right. 
Um, yeah, it, it's it, but again, it's just like these are things that are happening outside of the world of movies to her, you know? Yeah. She is becoming so famous, like it is, it is people. It, Literally, people are memeing her, like memeing her in yeah. the fucking 40s, putting her on bombs uh, because she was the quintessential bombshell. Um, in 47, she has two big movies come out. She has Down to Earth, um, which is a sequel to um, uh, what the fuck is the other movie? Uh, Here Comes Mr. Jordan. Yes. Uh, but which, also. But also. It is the movie that Xanadu is a remake of and also didn't we talk uh, the the not eddie murphy chris chris rock has a movie called down to earth which is a remake Remake. of here comes mr jordan um as well as warren Beatty's. yeah um uh what is the name of that movie now i can't think of the um which also has the name of another movie it's it's like too complicated. The web is too complicated. Yes, we we are going down the rabbit hole. All that to say, you know, um, down to earth. I watched. I I liked um, enough. It's a pretty movie. Um, very silly. She plays Terpsichore, um, <laughs> or is it Terpsichore? Terpsichore. That's how yes. she pronounces it. Terpsichore. She's a muse, um, and she is so mad at this director who is making a play about her and the muses. Um, it's not her at all. I don't mind telling you, I've been kind of bullheaded and stubborn myself. Oh, but you have a right to be. After all, what do I know about the theater? And as you said, I'm just a little nobody you took out of the cars. Oh, I don't know. You, you've had a couple of pretty good ideas. <laughs> now you're just being nice to me. Heaven go. Can Wait is the one. Heaven Can movie. Wait. There, there it is. There we go. Oh, right, right, right. Um, this movie is interesting in that, like, there is a conversation here about, like, high art versus low art. And, yes. like, um, which is interesting. And and her as, like, the muse of whatever the fuck muse she is. Um, of, of the goddess of dance and chorus. Yes. Um, and she wants to, like, put on a very, you know, uh, high art show. But... People are bored by high art and, oh, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's a fun movie. Um, you know, nothing too yeah. serious. No, I think I think it's really colorful and very pretty and stunning to look at. But, yeah, it's not it's not Gilda. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, what's wild, though, is like her other movie of this year is The Lady from Shanghai. Yes. Which is uh, directed by Orson Welles. And at this point, they have separated from each other. They are no longer a couple, but he has, like, he is persona non grata when it comes to Hollywood, and he needs a Hollywood film. And she's like, fuck it, I'll be in your movie, and we'll do this as kind of a couple. And he's like, great, I've got a plan for your hair. Right. And also, I think at this point, though, because she is so... uh, overwhelmed and sick of all the bombshell stuff she's also like oh you want to dye my hair and cut it all off great it's time to rebrand um and it's wild because it's been two years like it's literally (laughs) um but so yeah so she the lady from shanghai is complicated i guess you know oh but just just so everybody knows like he literally like invites the press to watch her get her luscious locks trimmed yes. to a short haircut and bleached 
white blonde. Yeah. Um, Orson also stars in this movie. He's yes. the, the protagonist. He's doing uh, the craziest Irish accent anybody has ever heard. Yeah. Like th- this side of Lucky Charms. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm shipping out tomorrow. So are we, to the west coast by way of the canal. We're short a man on the crew. I'll make it worth your while. Could it be this you're looking for? He was smart to carry a gun, traveling alone in the park, but... But if you knew you had the gun in your bag, why throw away the bag? I meant for you to find it. I don't know how to shoot. It is a bomb. Yes. To to be clear, um, you know, people do not want their blonde Rita. They do not want short hair Rita. It is a full Felicity moment. Um... Oh, that's such a that's a good reference. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, I can't remember a lot from this movie to be honest. Um, it's complex. It's like very it's, it's complicated. A, it's, yeah, it's, isn't he like he's like up for murder, but like right. he didn't do it. Right. But. It's a, it's like a pl- like a staged murder. Her husband is like, I'm going to pay you to pr- have pretended to murder me, but then he really does get killed, and right. it very much looks like Orson Welles did it, and, um, you know, twists and turns, and there's this amazing sequence towards the end that takes place all in front of a bunch of funhouse mirrors that was... That's right, yeah, I remember that. But the but the movie is very famous because, you know, it was supposed to be Orson Welles' big comeback, and then... Because he was an ill-tempered child, even though he was a genius, it's taken away from him again, and it's re-edited. And you know, the apparently the the mirror sequence was supposed to take up close to like fifteen minutes in the film, and it's two to three minutes survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, it is not the hit for either of them. Um, and again, you know, she. Because of like, I I I think fame is wearing on her. Um, that famous quote you mentioned up top, you know, people want to go to bed with Gilda and they wake up with me. Like she, she was like, I'm not this woman. I'm not a femme fatale. I'm not, yeah. you know, like this seductress. I, and she even said later in life, she's like, a lot of starlets from my era were doing like topless nudie movies. She's like, I never did that. Yes, I was a sensual dancer, you know, but I never really was, you know, like. Naked, and I'm not saying that's good or bad. I don't care. Right. But the way she was sexualized so much, and it's that classic thing of like, you know, she 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 never gave away it all, and somehow like people just kept wanting and demanding more and more and more from her, um, which I also think was why she wanted to rebrand and, and have her new hair. Um, but it doesn't last because nobody no. wants it. People who don't know me frequently expect me to be like my screen image. But actually, I'm quite different from these women. I've always been rather amused when I'm described as a love goddess, because I've never especially felt like a love goddess. I feel like what I am, an actress and a mother. You know, I don't want to be Gilda all my life. I mean, I, I, I feel I am an actress and I have talent, and I can, be, I can do many, many other parts. I guess we should also talk, at this time, she goes to Cannes. Um, and meets fucking Prince Ali Khan. Um, Ali Khan, who is the prince of Pakistan. 
Um, and they begin a long courtship because her and Orson Welles break up. Um, she also at this time is like, fuck Columbia, fuck Cone. Yeah. I want to get out of here. And so she literally leaves Hollywood and goes to France, um, breaks her contract. And it's, again, like this, the level of fame is just astounding. Um, she has um, a daughter with uh, Prince Khan, Princess Yasmin Aga Khan. Uh, and they, she, she kind of like stops working for a little bit. Yeah. She, she's, you know, trying to learn French. She's trying to be this diplomat's wife. Um, but it's just too difficult for her. Uh, well, and the other thing is, you know, you're speaking of being a diplomat's wife. She thought in leaving Hollywood, it would leave the fame behind. Right. But she is a, a famous person and B, she has literally become a princess. She Correct. married a prince. And Prince Ali Khan was not... Uh, he's a fuckboy! Yeah, he's like, I'm not going to stay out of the press. Like, this is what I'm, you know... And so, it's just not the life she wants. So, she takes her kids, you know, her two daughters, Rebecca and Yasmin, and she leaves. They go to New York, and then... Prince Ali Khan and her reconcile briefly, but by 1953, it's donezo for them. Um, yeah. I do, I do want to mention one film uh, right sure. before the marriage, uh, The Loves of Carmen, and I only want to mention it because um, it's her third film with Glenn Ford, yes. and it was a passion project of hers. And it's funny because it was, for all intents and purposes... An Orson Welles idea. Orson Welles was like, what if we do Carmen, but we base it off the story, we don't do the opera. And Harry Cohn was like, mm, that sounds bad. And then when Orson Welles was out of the picture, Harry Cohn was like, let's do that Carmen movie you wanted to do. And uh, she produces it with her production company, Beckworth Productions, uh, which, you know, was a huge deal that she had her own production company um it was named for her daughter rebecca the daughter she had with orson wells and loves of carmen is a huge hit it becomes columbia's biggest money maker of that year and she received a percentage of the profits from this and her films that she continues to make until 54 which brings us to the around the ed end of her marriage with prince ali khan um, when she ended up having to dissolve Beckworth, Beckworth to pay off debts. And that should tell you like where she is as a person, because right. when she leaves Ali Khan and comes back to Hollywood, it's not because she wants to. Right. They are not um, with open arms. No. Uh, welcome here back. Um, she broke her contract. They were you know, suing each other left and right because, you know, she wouldn't do press for movies, whatever. Uh, she was essentially forced to return um, yes. and to do her quote-unquote comeback picture, Affair in Trinidad. That's um, her, I believe, her final film with, with Glenn. Glenn Ford. Oh, I do also want to say um, Glenn Ford's son wrote in his father's biography that when they made uh, The Loves of Carmen... Um, Glenn Ford actually did uh, finally conceive a child with her and she ended up having an abortion because she didn't wow. want to have another child, especially not with somebody that she wasn't married to at the time. And then wow. she gets married to Ali Khan and has another kid. So. Fucking child! 
Yeah. Um, I didn't watch A Fair in Trinidad. Um, do you have anything to say about it? It's not great. Um, okay. It literally feels like... I don't know. It's it's almost as if I was watching the movie, the Alfred Hitchcock film Notorious, which is my favorite Alfred Hitchcock film, and being like, "What if I wrote Notorious?" Because <laughs> it's it's basically the same movie, uh, just like transplanted to like a slightly different place and involving a couple less Nazis. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's a big hit. But it is a big hit, and and I do think that they're so good together in it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's very few, f- very few of their pairings where they don't have yeah. it. Yeah, um, I agree. And she does have a great dance number in it, but that's par for the course when it comes to her. Yeah. I think we could have gotten along without that last remark, don't you? I wouldn't want Mr. Fabian to spend a sleepless night. All right, Steve. You've been saving it up for hours. Say it. No, I'm waiting to hear how you'd say it. You're a trusting soul, aren't you? Not anymore, not after tonight. Why didn't you tell me you had a date with Fabian? I meant to, but I forgot. You forgot a lot of things. You forgot to tell me he was a friend of yours as well as Neil's. That he bought Neil's paintings. Did you also forget to tell me he bought Neil's wife? For all of the, like, hardships, and, and there are plenty at this time where she, like, is suspended by Harry Cohn during the filming of the movie, um... She she the movies she's making are successful. She does Salome in nineteen fifty three, um, which <laughs> which by the way, um, I'm not I'm not correcting you. It's just you're pronouncing it the way they pronounce in the movie. It's it's, it's Salome. Salome. <laughs> That's how you oh. say it. And I watched that entire movie and I was like, why do they keep saying Salome? They're like well, Salome, and I was like, that is not how you say it. <laughs> Gavin, you are very mad about it. I am. <laughs> Um, all I could think of watching this movie was like, this is the movie that they're making in, um, what's that Coen's Brothers movie? <laughs> oh, uh, yes. Uh, uh, wow. Podcast brain is far and abound in this. It's probably because yeah. we're, we're both cooking at the moment. I know. But uh, Hail Caesar. Hail, Hail Caesar. Caesar. Yes. I was like, they're making Salome in... in <laughs> you uh, mean Salome? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the movie they're making in Hail Caesar. Um beautiful gowns um simple story it's like a biblical story and yeah. like uh and, I, lo- and- I fucking love charles lawton charles lawton you know big yeah. big hollywood homo and a lavender marriage with love beautiful lanch uh elsa lanchester so yeah um beautiful gowns uh and she and she has a great um song and dance number where she's like well, you know what happens if you dance for him. Yeah. She's like, I know, I have to fuck him. Oh. The se- uh, yeah, the seven veils. She has to take them all. I do want to yeah. just pause for a brief moment to say um, something that we haven't really talked about. I did bring up sort of very early on is she was incredibly shy throughout mm. her entire life. And once again, it was one of those things where she, you put her on a stage. She was amazing. And I, you know, I've seen bits and things, but... I found a clip of her doing an interview around the time that this movie was out. And I just felt so bad for her because I just Mm. was like, she doesn't want to be doing that. Like she doesn't, I think it was Ed Sullivan. And he's like, do you want to do the dance of the seven veils? And she's like, ha ha. And it's like, stop talking, please. Yes, Uh." exactly. Now what I thought Rita, you might do tonight. We have Ray Block's band here. We have a big stage here. The whole world knows of your dancing prowess. 
Well, what I thought would be nice if you'd do the dance of the seven veils. <laughs> oh, but you know, I'd love to, but, uh, but you see, I, uh, I need a, I need marble halls, and, uh, uh, I need the seven veils. Oh, I see. The Hollywood touches that we haven't got here. Mm-hmm. It's sad that she was never really able to open up when she had the opportunity to. Yeah, I mean, it's that thing of, like, I, the modern version of this is, like, oh, if someone sees, you know, a picture of you online and they, they, they think that you're hot, they think that they know you, they think that they know your personality, they think that yeah. they own you. And that was happening to Rita her entire career. People her entire career. They knew who she was and thought, oh, well, she's dancing quote-unquote suggestively that means she wants to fuck and fuck me specifically and i'm gonna ask her about it and that's unwell behavior if you see someone online that you think is cute you could say looking great and that's it yeah that's literally it okay moving on (laughs) um (laughs) she after salome um (laughs) salome Uh, she, you know, she kind of takes another break because guess fucking what? She gets married again um, to Dick Hames, who's a famous Argentinian singer. Um, the marriage was not good again. Um, she, you know, her stock is kind of falling finally. Um, she does the movie Fire Down Below years later in 1957 um, with Jack Lemmon and Robert Mitchum. Um, her last musical is Pal Joey. Um, with fucking Frank Sinatra and Kim Novak, what a what a movie! Um, yeah, she gets first of all, it's crazy because she's supposed to play this like old, um, <laughs> you know, like like has been like yeah. Uh, yeah. And literally, Frank Sinatra is like three years older her, than her in this movie. And, and the implication is also that she's like a former sex worker or a former like because there's that whole. Like, the Lady is a Tramp sequence. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Pal Joey is based on a Rodgers and Hart musicale. Um, it's one of, I guess, like, the lesser known, like, lesser yeah. fa- famous. But there are some beautiful numbers in in the movie I, or in the musical. Like, I mean, and once again, she's not singing them. But no. her doing Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, and the way that it, like, is incorporated into the score... It's, it's so, so haunting and beautiful. It's... Yeah. And I I didn't want that scene to end. I'll be no. perfectly honest. Because <laughs> she's like in her bedroom and like. I know. There there was a, a revival on Broadway with um, Stalker Channing at, yes. in that character. Um, and there's like a bootleg version of her. And I was like, and Stalker sounds great. Of course she does. But the the blocking is so, I, I had just seen the movie and like the blocking and the production is so sumptuous and amazing and in this production she's literally just like laying in bed stroking fucking joey's head and i'm like oh whatever let her live um famously you know the frank sinatra was the big star of the movie as you mentioned and so his name contractually was supposed to go above the the credits and he was like no you he's like rita hayworth is columbia yeah put rita hayworth's name and so every reporter was like Oh, what's it like being, you know, but between Rita Hayworth and, and Kim, Novak. Kim Novak on on the opening credits and on the poster? And he's like, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be in any other sandwich than between yeah. these two. Kim Novak, 
What a fucking star. I fucking, I mean, yeah, Kim Novak, that face, those eyes. Yeah. Yeah, that voice, that timber. Uh, uh Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, I, the last time my niece was in New York City, uh, prior to just visiting me, um, the Museum of the Moving Image was showing Bell, Book, and Candle, which was one of my favorites when we did our Witches on Film episode, and just to take her to be able to see that on the big screen with Kim Novak. Ugh. Yeah. And at the time, Kim Novak had become the number one Columbia girl. Yeah. Um, and so to have them both on screen with Frank Sinatra in this musical, I think, you know, the the material isn't as good as them. Yeah. They lift up the material, though. And, and I do think, like, the performances are very, very good. It's a very special <laughs> production all around. Um, uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. You'd give a lot for a place like that, wouldn't you? Anything. How about it? You and me could be partners. What would I get out of it? Name something. There's nothing I don't have. You want to bet? After all... Two years is a long time between drinks. Oh, you can hit better than that, partner. 58, she does separate tables, which is a drama. Yeah. Very heartbreaking. Will we? It's, it's one of those movies where, like, the song is like, ooh, we're <laughs> sitting at separate tables. I don't, I don't know how much you looked into the... Um, construction of separate tables but separate tables is based on a play uh well it's actually wow. based on two plays and what the movie does is it takes both plays and combines them together and okay. so rita hayworth is in this story with burt lancaster where she they're ex-lovers and she's worried about getting old and he doesn't think he can settle with her and and then you have this other David Niven, Deborah Carr storyline where David Niven is literally a pervert running around feeling up women in theaters. And everybody's like, you know what? He may be yeah. a pervert, but he's our pervert. Yeah, that was and, crazy. <laughs> and honestly, like, I will say this. The negative thing is Rita's in the more boring of the two stories. 100%. And, and so when it's on stage, what it is is... The woman plays the woman. The, Rita Hayworth and Deborah Carr are played by the same actress on stage mm. because it's two different plays separated by a intermission. And the man that does the David Niven part as well as the Burt Lancaster part, you know. And to me, it's like, yes, of course. Like you, when you do the play, you get this sort of tour de force of all these different emotions and whatnot. And in the movie, when it's separated up like that, it's kind of like. This is well, not as good as it could be. Well, the movie, like the main character or like the the thorough thing is that they're at this hotel. Yes. You know, and like, so it's almost, at, uh, it's more like, who are all these kooky bookie people yeah. with their strange and, pasts at the hotel? And, and in the play, like the same, it's because it's also set in the hotel. Like it's the same people playing the same roles in both parts. Gotcha. Except for them. And so like. That all, but you're right. It is part of that. Like everybody's got their tawdry little quirk, and 
but it is i just think it's really funny that the movie treats like true truly like just running around being a weirdo as like a quirk like right yeah and like all these like christian women are there and they simply can't have and isn't like the lady of the house like having an affair with like um oh with nivens right yeah yeah and so yeah and they have to vote whether he should stay or go um yeah i i don't think it's bad i know i just made it sound i just when i read i was like why is this movie like this i was like this feels tonally so uh, like you know back and forth and i was like oh because it is like yeah (laughs) i mean the the more fun and exciting chapter is the pervert one but i i do think like the the one about like the these two lovers or ex-lovers is quite like tragic it's obviously a lot more quiet what do you possibly do here i enjoy one great luxury being left alone well it's a quaint spot you've picked out for yourself yes your last husband would have done wonders with this place interior decorator wasn't he when he worked how long were you married to him two years and six months beats us by three months cruelty again wasn't it a legal device you mean he didn't break down the bedroom door to get at you huh? no he didn't try to kill me either it's so crazy though like the way we used to like behave with manners and it's like no one's talking to the guy at breakfast and then they're yeah. like lovely day isn't it and it's like oh my god he talked to him <laughs> how dare he, you how dare he talked he talked to the pervert ah! <laughs> um we're kind of getting towards the end though you know um the story on page one in 1960 she she you know she worked um in the 60s but you know at the time she like what ha- what starts happening is yes. she uh, her health is in decline um she starts acting strangely people don't know what's wrong with her they suspect you know well, she's had all these marriages her right. stars falling they are trying to paint this very simple picture of like you know and and husband. I, I will say this like i don't want to paint her as completely innocent uh, because she was also in the throes of an alcohol problem her daughter oh, yeah. has attested to this that she drank too much mm-hmm. much like orson Welles said she would fly into rages but the thing you're getting at too is that she's showing signs of early onset alzheimer's and no one knows it at the time correct um it's so and- gross alzheimer's was discovered in 1906 1906 yeah. and nobody cared about it because it was something that only happened to old people mm-hmm. and poor people yeah but you know, we're, we're going to get a little more into it, but I just, I, I cannot, like, Rita Hayworth is literally the reason that we have, you know, so many Alzheimer's charities now. And yeah. so, because she became the face of it, that's yeah. literally crazy 60 doubt. years, 60 yeah. years, like. Yeah. So let's see her, we, yeah, 64, um, she does Money Trap. Um, oh, that was the last time with that's the Glenn last Ford. Glenn Ford. Yeah, so I guess it was five times. I didn't see Money Trap, so that was, um, you know, her last film was The Wrath of God in 1972. Um, she, which I just wa- watched today, she wanted to retire, <laughs> um, but 
she needed the money. Yeah. Um, and and so she kept doing, and and so she did the Wrath of God, and even though she had wanted to retire, she's only fifty four. Yes. Right. Um, and and like, listen, she does Wrath of God. She also does Circus World. You know, she's in these movies. With I've never heard Robert Mitchum say a bad thing about her, but I do want to mention Circus World just from the fact that it was a movie with John Wayne. She was excited to do it because she'd never worked with him before. She couldn't remember her lines because she was you get you know losing her short term memory, mm-hmm. and no one really knows what's going on. And John Wayne fucking hates her because of this. And instead of being like, "This is somebody who needs help," he's just like, "She's unprofessional." Yep. Yeah, and and the experience you know doing both that and the Wrath of God was exposing her um, to you know people who were unkind and not empathetic, and it also just exacerbated her mental state you know um she agreed to do one more movie but because of it of of her health it was called tales that witness madness um she had to leave and 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 she didn't complete the film in 1974 her both of her brothers died within a week of each other um she in 1976 she was removed from a flight after having an outburst with an agent if you have ever um been around someone with alzheimer's that is very common. Confusion yeah. is, is is so common. Um and and it it's just like you think people are being belligerent, but they just they don't know where they are, they don't know, you know, their surroundings. It's this woman needed help, you yeah. know. Uh Ann Baxter said one of her first clues was, you know, she had invited her to dinner and she came over to Rita's house and she answered the door with a butcher knife and was like, Who are you? Yeah. And Baxter was like, I'm your friend. You invited me to dinner. And she's like, no, you're a fan. And I'm not signing autographs. Go away. And then called her up later and was like, where were you? Yeah. Horrible. Um, by 1981, her health had deteriorated so badly. A judge ruled that she had to be um, under care from her by her daughter, Princess Yasmin, um, in New York. Um, they lived together um, in an apartment and, you know, when they asked Yasmin how her mom is doing, she said she's still beautiful, but she's a shell. She was That's no longer there. Horrible. Um, I mean, not. I'm not saying it's horrible that she said it. Like it's horrible that she had to go through that. Yeah, know? of course. Um, Orson Welles later said, you know, when he would visit, he'd say, "Rita barely knows me." That you know doesn't really recognize me. Oh my God! He tells this story. He tells this horrible story of. Going to like some benefit and sitting with her and talking to her. And he knew in the first four minutes, she didn't know who he was. And he could see it wash over her after they'd been talking for a while that she suddenly realized who he was and she started crying. Yeah. And she she dies in 1985. Um, you know, she was, she was really young. She died... Uh, she was 68, you know? Yeah, like, that's too that's, young. Yeah. And 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 she, you know, those last 15-ish years was suffering, you know? Did not have, like, really the proper care, um, you know? I, I, and my God, like, and this is fucking Rita Hayworth, who has all the access to all the things. Um, but, yeah, Alzheimer's is a fucking horrible, horrible um, disease that... Um, a lot. I mean, my grandmother had Alzheimer's. Um, yeah, it, it will touch a lot of us. Um, 
so she yeah, she died from complications from Alzheimer's in 1987. Um, President Ronald Reagan, <laughs> fuck um, him, but fuck him. He issued a statement saying Rita Hayworth was one of our country's most beloved stars, glamorous and talented. She gave us many wonderful moments on stage and screen and delighted audience from the time she was a young girl. In her later years, she became known for her struggle with Alzheimer's. Her courage and candor and that of her family were a great public service and bringing worldwide attention to a disease which will all hoop will soon be cured. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it's it's wild. She she was that big of a fucking star. I mean, obviously, she had, was in Hollywood when Reagan was an actor. They were contemporaries. Right. But, um, you know, like I said, she was so much bigger than the movie she made. She was a cultural figure. She was in magazines. She was in the cultural consciousness. Um, and she still is to this day, you know, like I think the image of her flipping her hair will always be just like an immediate signifier for glamor and Hollywood. Um, and, and yeah, it, she's just a total film legend. Um, and listen, there's, there were more husbands, uh, but yeah. it's all sort of gossipy after that. Like after Ali Khan, uh, by the way, I don't know if you read that. Like she was, she was Catholic, and the Pope called her marriage to Ali Khan illicit. Um, yeah, no, she's she is. It's it's the hair flip that I mean. She'll always be the icon. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah uh, just really quickly, you know, the Rita Hayworth Gala, which is a benefit for Alzheimer's Association, is still held annually in Chicago and New York. Um, it was founded by Princess Yasmin in the honor of her mother. Um, as of 2017 they've raised over 70 million dollars um you know so her legacy continues um to this day and like i said earlier like there are so many documentaries and books about her and her life um if you really want to dig deeper that stuff's out there um, and her movies are out there too so you should you should definitely give those a check or, or look into um but okay gavin how about we get into our picks Absolutely. Why don't we do our one-star reviews while we're a little bit down and get that out of the way first. Okay, Gavin, you go first. So I feel really bad about this because I know it was kind of a passion project of her. And and listen, there's there's a lot of not great ones in here i will say uh, you know we didn't even talk about uh the the poppy is also a flower which is you know it's like a huge budget television film essentially that she was in but i think my one star view has to go to 1948's the loves of carmen Mm. um you know I understand orson welles being like what if we made carmen without the music from the opera Bizet's score is maybe one of the most famous bits of music. <laughs> sure. That's I mean, yeah. I watched I watched the fucking Super Mario Brothers movie with my <laughs> nephew on Saturday and they used Carmen in okay. it. Yes. So like uh, there's a reason that exists. And yes. I think that maybe the story itself isn't that good um (laughs) she is a roma woman and i'm gonna say roma because this movie is very free with the use of the word gypsy okay 
And uh, essentially, um, Glenn Ford is uh, plays Don Jose, and he's a soldier, and he rise, arrives in Seville to begin his service, and he meets this Roma woman um, who immediately steals his watch, and he's like, oh, fuck, she got me. <laughs> oh, I am God. Da- I am down bad. And, you know, uh, he, like, falls in love with her, and he's, like, willing to do anything for her, and he literally ends up killing his commanding officer for her, because his commanding officer is like, um, you're kind of spending too much time with this random woman who, like, maybe doesn't even like you that much? (laughs) And he's like, not true, stab, stab, stab. And they flee to the desert, um, and she's like, oh, totally my bad, Don Jose. This is my husband. (laughs) And her husband is a major criminal, and Don Jose becomes uh, part of his gang. But he clearly still loves Carmen, and so him and Garcia are like, I guess we gotta fight it out. And he kills uh, Garcia, and she's like... (laughs) Bitch, I'm out. This is too much stabbing. And she goes being really messy. Yeah. She goes and she falls in love with a matador. And Don Jose's like, no. Like, no. You're like, wait, but I just killed that guy for you. Yeah, I've killed two people for you. And she's like, bitch, you thought. And he's like, well, bitch, you thought. And he stabs her. And then get shot, and they both die. And the, the end. Spoiler alert, Kevin. I in this case, I don't care. It's Carmen. I think <laughs> people you know, get it. When when you go to an opera, they give you a plot synopsis before you even sit down because they're like, "Listen, there's going to be a lot of singing. Why don't you yeah. just familiarize yourself with this? What's going on?" Um, I th- you know it's a Charles Veter film, and Charles Veter is the guy that directed Gilda. So Whoa. like he know he knows what he's doing. He knows what a commodity he has in Rita Hayworth. He knows how beautiful she is. He knows how amazing lots of dancing, lots of Spanish dances. But it's just even at 97 minutes, it really drags. It feels really hollow. And earlier when I said Rita Hayworth and Glenn Ford have so much chemistry in most of the movies they're in. Where to go? Yeah, this is the one I'm talking about. There's nothing here. And so it really shocked me to find out, like, this is the one where he knocked her up. Because it's like, what was it all off screen? Was that what, what was happening? And I, I feel terrible being like, you know, she produced it. She really wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. But it, it just wasn't good. It needed some outside perspective to be like no 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 what are we doing here we we really need to fix this i will give the one positive thing is i will say the music which is by a castellanuvo uh tedesco i've never heard anything else by that i actually didn't mind it i was like Mm. this is interesting and it's nice to like hear him try something so tonally different than what the opera does but it just isn't there so yeah uh, the Loves of Carmen, my one-star review. I don't know what's happened to me. Here I am, a deserter from the army. And the murder of my own colonel. I can't imagine how it happened. One minute I thought he was going to kill me, and the next minute there... My sword. Don't think about it. You are here and I'm here. That's enough. Think about it that way. Just Carmen and Jose. All to myself. 
all to yourself. It's so funny that you chose a, a film um, f- full of Spanish vibes and matadors because my one-star review is a movie we actually didn't mention, but a 1941 film called Blood and Sand. Blood and Sand. Yeah. Um, Blood and Sand. Hmm. Uh, Where to begin? It is a movie about how people are bad and all we care about is entertainment and that in this movie is murdering bulls and how fame will get you gal um <laughs> it's lady gaga's the fame monster if you're familiar um juan gallardo is a matador and he's wants to grow up and be a great matador just like his father even though his mom is like please juan no your father got killed by the bull I don't want you to. Um, meanwhile, he's got his little girlfriend, Encarnacion. And he's like, wait for me, girly. I'm going to go off and become famous and I'll come back for you. So he goes off, becomes famous, comes back. She's like, okay, hot. I'm still here waiting. They get married. He is the it boy matador. I will say this movie is Beautiful Gowns. Yes. Um, gorgeous looking. I don't know how the fuck they filmed any of the actual Matador shit because that man was in the ring. <laughs> I think they filmed a real Matador. Yeah, like those those bulls were running, hun. Um, Rita Hayworth plays Doña Sol, not unsimilar to the role of, is it Vera in Pal Joey? Yes. She is this alleged elder woman who has money. <laughs> and she's she is the like Spanish girly and and so um she says, Oh, you're the most famous little matador. You are mine. Mm-hmm. And so my, my favorite scene is um <laughs> he falls asleep while she plays Spanish guitar, and my favorite thing is is she's moving her right hand to pretend to play the guitar. She not not once. I rewound it. Not once moves her left hand. It's crazy. And I was like, that's not how a guitar works. <laughs> it's crazy because, like, the camera did no favors. The camera's no. like, zoom in on the hand. I'm like, why? <laughs> she clearly isn't playing. She's doing her best. Um, I will say uh, this specifically to Rita. Like, I do think this is maybe her worst lip sync performance yeah. um, that I saw. It's just so clear she's uncomfortable carrying the guitar. Um it's all the voice that they've dubbed over her in this movie is so obviously like not her. It's like a crazy like, match. Yeah, it's like very deep and not. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's it's just very clear. Um, her, so Juan, you know, fame gets too much. He's married to Encarnacion, but he's cheating on her. Um, and, you know, he's got like this brother-in-law, I think, and and. Debts are piling up. He's nobody. He's scared out there. Basically, like, his... Because he's, he's unfaithful. not the little boy that got into a ring with a bull. Yes, he's he's now... Uh, and, uh, I will say there's some very aggressive Catholic imagery in this movie. Yes. Um, and it's funny because, like, basically they're like, isn't it crazy? Catholics are so crazy and foreign and exotic. 
And like now it's like Catholics are like whatever. Um, yeah, Catholics are like have a large majority. Correct. <laughs> a, a lot of people are Catholics, in fact. Um, but like there's so much like crying Madonnas and like Jesus and, you know, all that. And um, because what what happens to these poor men is they they die um but they don't but people don't care because guess what there's a hot new little matador in town and he exactly and he will be the greatest he will be the first son of spain there's Um, another one just around the corner baby yeah there are a dime a dozen and like the like it is kind of iconic at the end it's like there's flowers being thrown onto the sand um they're cheering on this new matador and then the camera pans and it's a blood the end um i just you know this movie fucking drags it yes. it drags and drags i don't think um it, it it i think there is something you know obviously here about consumption of people as commodities like and so that's all well and good um i just don't think that uh i don't think rita's really deployed super well here i think she's done this role better i think she's better in pal joey doing this you know yes um i and, and here's the thing you know it's a remake of a valentino film the valentino film is better and the valentino films like 20 years before this yeah so um tyrone power i thought was actively bad in it as well oh, as juan yeah um uh, well it is funny so rita was not the original choice to be um doña sol uh Kara Carol Landis was the original choice, but she refused to dye her hair red. Yeah, Isn't that wild. Um, I will say it is a beautiful looking movie, um, but uh, yeah, not. I mean, n- not as successful. I you know, uh, as some of her others, it was. It did make money. Um, I think people were very like taken by the bullfighting scenes well that's i mean loves of carmen was a huge hit was columbia's biggest hit the year it came out so like i i get it like she is a draw and so even when it's bad she's good yeah but but yeah like i i agree i think i I just think she was really miscast in blood and sand and it's funny because she has she does you know she's able to play that like conniving like there's that scene where she invites his girlfriend up to her yeah. house and she's like okay well watch me kiss him yeah. like <laughs> she's like oh are you worried well hold on and then she like she's like juan and then like he comes out and he's like bloop, 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 bloop. And <laughs> straight she, into a kiss yeah and she's like gagged you huh that you've known a great many men go on I've never been out of Andalusia. I speak only one language. And I've had only one man. Maybe that's why I want so much to keep him. Tell me. Have you discussed this with Juan? No. Why not? It would hurt him. Just a minute, please. Like, it's <laughs> it's a little bit just, like, not as clever as the other movies where she's being an f- actual femme fatale. This movie is yes. just kind of, like, really knocking it over the head. Like, sin! Ah! <laughs> the one last thing I, I do want to say, and this has nothing to do with Rita Hayworth, is um, Laird Krieger is in this movie. Uh, he's the big guy that, like, he beats up as a kid. And then 
Uh, I love him because I know him for playing the devil in the original Heaven Can Wait, which doesn't have anything to do with the Warren Beatty Heaven Can Wait, <laughs> which is a remake of Here Comes Mr. Jordan, in which she was in the sequel of called Down to Earth, which was the name of the remake of the 70s Heaven Can Wait starring Chris Rock. I just had a fucking aneurysm, Gavin. I don't. <laughs> I'm so sorry, sweetie. I'm about to fucking go to heaven. Heaven cannot wait for me. All uh, right. Well, then let me drive this ambulance into our five star reviews because I I need you to uh, finish this before you bleed out. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Gavin, tell everyone why Salome is your five-star review. <laughs> Salome? Um, <laughs> I didn't love Salome. Um, Salome. I think, and it's a little bit of cheating, um, and I will say this, unpopular opinion, I don't love this movie. So I'm actually going to do something that's sort of unprecedented for me. Wow. Um, I think she's so fucking good in Gilda. Mm-hmm. There's a reason. There is a reason. And I know, I know it sort of, whether she liked it or not, haunted her career. But she, it, like, she literally burns the fucking screen. Yeah. I am shocked that Nitrate Prince didn't just explode the first time she yeah. came on. And so it's you know we t- we talked about it before you know she's she's married to a mobster her former husband comes in i hate the plot of this movie i'll be perfectly honest but it gets to the end and like they think he's dead and he has like maybe faked his death no he has faked his death <laughs> he has faked his death i just was trying not to give it away but he has faked his death oh it's funny and- it's like i've never seen a movie like Give its own spoiler. Pull, yeah, pull pull the card so soon. Like he's like basically watching his own like plane well, burn. Like, well, like he goes into the ocean and they're like, "Wow, I guess he's dead." The next scene is him being like, "Well, I did it. I faked yes. my own death." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, y'all really want us to know that there he will be coming back?" <laughs> yes, and then he does it until the very last reel. They're correct. like, <laughs> "Correct." Um. But that whole section afterwards, when it's Glenn Ford and she's like left again, and he's like hired people to track her down to like seduce her and bring her back to him. Yeah, I hate that. I hate that. I really don't like. You know, there's this thing. There's obviously like a lot of chemistry between her and Glenn Ford, except for in the Loves of Carmen. But he kind he has to hit her in every movie they're in. It feels like, and I know f- it was a a different time. But it's just one of those things where I'm like, stop. There's a fucking stop. Cr- crazy line in this movie where it's like, where he he meets her, like you think they've met for the first time. And he's like, what would you think of my wife? And he's like, I wanted to go up there and hit her. And yeah. I, was like, I was like, what the fuck? Like, what? And uh, so, like, there's a lot in this movie that truly turns me off. But, like, she herself... I just, I can't think of a better role. She's so good. And I rewatched it today for the first time in like 15 years, like I said. And she, yeah, that scene, that scene where she's like, I hate you so much. I hate you more than anything in the world. Put your fucking tongue in my mouth. Like, I just like, it's so good. You do hate me, don't you, Johnny? I don't think you have any idea how much. Hate is a very exciting emotion. Haven't you noticed? 
Very exciting. I hate you too, Johnny. I hate you so much that I think I'm going to die from it. It's so hot. And uh, her dance numbers, the, this is where she's really, the lip sync, she is lip syncing the house down boots. She is, you know, putting the blame on Maine. She's doing auto mio. Like, it's not missing a syllable. She she is uh, 100% Coco Montrese pointing yes. at her lips yes. doing every Paula Abdul lyric. Yeah. Uh, and moving like Paula Abdul too, okay? Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Um, truly an amazing movie. Gilda, 1946. Uh, uh, truly an amazing performance, I will say. The movie, I can give or take, but it's worth watching for her. Uh, and I, I think that's honestly where... So, you know, five-star review for her. Maybe yeah. three-star review for the movie. Is that because of the tungsten monopoly plot? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and, and they're um, like... Did you know having a monopoly on the world's resources can make you a very powerful man? <laughs> I, I, there was, uh, fuck, what was it? There was something else about this movie that I wanted to say, and now I can't remember. But yeah. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, Gilda's my pick, too. I mean, she, she is good in a lot of movies. Yes. But, like, it, I, the way that she is able to, sometimes I think, like, you know, there are, uh, roles where it's like femme fatales who are just pure bitchy or pure yes. bad behavior she is able to go back and forth between like this is a woman who is actually supremely hurt this is yeah. a woman who is fighting to survive doing what she has to do and she has that line where she's like you would have thought like um what'd she say you think it'd be possible to to marry two crazy men in one lifetime, and but here I am, you know, and and because she's she thinks I mean it's 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 honestly so tragic. Um, a big part of this movie is so sh- her husband dies, quote unquote, and so she finally gets to marry the Glenn Ford's character. They actually get to have it all. They they're married. They have money. They have all the things, and she thinks you know, okay, it's fine. Like we're finally through it. And he says, nope, you fucking hurt me and I'm about to fucking hurt you back. Yeah. And so he's he's so petty. And it's so funny because, you know, we keep saying femme fatale and but she's not really a traditional femme fatale in this movie because her goal is not to, to like, kill anyone. <laughs> yeah, to kill anyone, to to set out and harass, to like really hurt anybody. I mean, she may be a little selfish, but she's in a time in which women can't really afford to be selfish. So, like, right. it's I mean, like a luxury that she gets to be selfish. Right. The original sin is that she breaks this man's heart and leaves New York to go to Argentina. Yeah. He's he kind ends- of a fuckboy. Like- yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, and he's, well, he's a fuck. a big part of this movie is also, like, you create your own luck. You make your yeah. own luck. So, and what that means is, LOL, you're a cheater. You cheat. And so, she's creating her own luck by going to Argentina to find someone who... They they fight over like, you know, oh, you know, um imagine being down in the dumps. What 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 does that look like? You know? Because these are both people who are um scratching and clawing their way to exist, to continue their existence. And you know, running over whoever 
is in their way to get to it. But finally, there's a way for them to be together. And they are together. But he is so, you know, broken and and petty and, um, you know, awful that he gets her and continues to punish her. Yeah. He, he's like, he she, he says something like, she didn't know it yet, but Argentina would be her prison. Um, and she, like, has to resort to, you know, doing these numbers. And she's like... She's like, yeah, now everyone knows what kind of girl got you. And then he fucking hits her because she did this like sexy dance number in front of all these men. Um, and it's and and like I said, like there is a it's hard to watch, but also it's like the things that people do to each other because of heartbreak is so, I mean, and that shit's fucking real. That happens today. Yeah. People today cannot let go, forgive, um, and and yeah, this movie is just like that back and forth over and over again. Um, but she's she's so good. She's sympathetic. She is sexy. She, you know, is strong. She's broken. She's so many things. It is just crazy. It's crazy how good she is in this. It's funny, I uh, you know, just to take it away from her really briefly, and if you uh, don't want to be spoiled for the ending of Gilda, please skip ahead about two minutes. I will say... This is like one of the few film noirs that ends with a happy ending mm-hmm. and it's the worst possible scenario because <laughs> they end up together. But and they shouldn't end up together. Right, right. I mean, well, the thing is, like, he's bad. People hurt people. Yeah. They're gonna yeah. hurt each other again. Yeah, it's like, oh, the ex-husband is actually back. There's something about contracts and like Germans are also involved. It's very like to Gavin's point, like the plot is a little wibbly wobbly outside of these two people who want to continue hurting each other. The whole like tungsten monopoly and contract yeah, and like it's a red herring kind yeah. of like yeah. But I don't think this movie sticks to landing. But she and Glenn Ford, honestly, like I mean, because he he's he's terrifying in this movie, you know? Yeah, um, truly. And 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 so and so on the power of both of their performances, it's just like fuck stardom, like Hollywood glamour, everything. I mean, I, I there are pictures of this movie in in color, and it's it's shocking how gorgeous like everything looks. Um, and I can only imagine, you know, if this was in in color, um, because there is no color version of this movie, correct? No, I'm sure there's a colorized version of this movie, but there was no shot in color. Like, literally, look at this. I'm going to share this really quickly. Like, hello? Yeah. Like, yeah, are you... Stunning. 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 The, every... This couch that, is stunning. This That <laughs> that dress, like, went up for auction a couple years ago. And I... I more than a couple years ago. Like, I want to say, like, a decade ago, maybe. Um, and it sold for something like... Um, uh, in 2014, it sold for $161,000, which is about $199,000 in today's yep. money. Yeah, worth every penny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she looks amazing. Uh, all right. Uh, was there anything else that you saw that you particularly like? I mean, obviously, we talked about Pal Joey. We both really liked Pal Joey. Pal Joey, again, I think sh- it is the far superior version of her playing uh, Doña Sol. Um, and Blood and Sand. I also think, again, like Strawberry Blonde, early in her yes. career. So good. So funny. Um, I will second Strawberry Blonde. Absolutely. I, I like I like my my Rita funny. Um, another cute little uh, down-to-earth 
cute. Cover girl, just for the beauty. Cover girl, yeah. Cover cover girl is definitely, and like I said, you know, people talk about Singing in the Rain being one of the greatest movies ever made. It's literally like watching like the blueprint for that movie being devised. So it's it's a really cool, besides being entertaining and fun and silly, like it's just a cool artifact almost. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, let's do our mixed reviews review. My one star review was 1948's The Loves of Carmen. My one star review is 1941's Blood and Sand. And our joint five star review was 1946's Gilda. Gilda, Gilda, Gilda. All right, let's get into our fast forward. Rita has passed. There Ms. is Rita no has more. passed. Yes. Yeah. Um, she I, she has two daughters, correct? Yes. She, Rebecca Wells. I think Rebecca Wells is also dead. Yeah. Her daughter died in 2004. Um, which is a fucking bummer. Because uh, she was not that old then. Her other daughter, Yasmin Aga Khan, um, she still does philanthropy for Alzheimer's. She currently lives in Switzerland. She's 73. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think Rita Hayworth's legacy um, will always be that sort of love goddess, will always be that, that you know, beauty the way that she moved her body, the the way that she could light up the screen like no other. You know, I'm assuming one of the documentaries you watched is the one that was narrated by Kim Basinger. Mm-hmm. At, and there's all those, like, clips of Nicole Kidman talking about her, and it's really lovely. Mm-hmm. And I do think that, you know, she made a huge mark on what the, you know, what the bombshell could be. We've done Marilyn before on this show, and she's, you know, the next era of bombshells. But I think Rita Hayworth really symbolized, you know, both a very sexy, naughty, but also very chaste and beautiful and sweet Mm -hmm. um, version of this that was palatable to both the audiences of the time, but also just, you know, society in general. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, but the the wild thing is, like, she was not a natural, she's a natural star, but, like, there is so much artifice that she had to perform and become to be this all-American girl, quote-unquote, which is so wild. I mean, I remember we were talking about who we wanted to do, and I I said, you know, a lot of people didn't know that Rita Hayworth came from an immigrant family, you know, like and, right. and her last name was not Hayworth. It was Cansino. Um, and what she had to give up for herself to become Rita Hayworth. Um, and then she just kept giving. She kept giving and kept giving and people kept taking. And, you know, and then when she got sick, people didn't give a fuck. And, you know, um, and it's, yeah, her legacy, though, is, you know, you mentioned Nicole Kidman and and we have a, a, a whole generation of of stars who, you know, we'll do the Rita Hayworth drag for a little bit. Like, you know, Nicole in Moulin Rouge, you know? Yeah. Uh, Renee Nicole Zelliger. Nicole in, in Batman Forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she flips out goddamn hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Renee Zellweger in Chicago. You know, we have a generation of actresses who, you know, there certainly are singer, um, dancer, actors. Um, most recently, our, our new West Side Story girly. Yeah. Um, Ariana DeVos, you know, kind of is in that same realm of like, these are women who are in command of their bodies, um, you know, who are able to be funny, sexy, beautiful, um, 
that we are just like in awe of their presence. I always say this, but I, and I, but I always think about it. You know, when you see, there are certain stars, especially women on the screen, and I'm like, my God, now I know why. Um, we've talked about uh, Anne Hathaway before on the show, and it's like, yeah. They just fucking have it. They just fucking have yeah. it. I mean, Anne Hathaway put on her Rita Hayworth drag when she did Les Mis, you know? Like, yeah. It's, uh, uh, there is just something so baked into the DNA. And, and, you know, we always love doing these old Hollywood episodes um, just because, like you said, we have cultural blind spots. Um, and just to appreciate the beauty because there's so much beauty, but also, like, the price that of that beauty because um, she had a very tough life. Um, but luckily like her legacy will be that beauty and will be like these wonderful pieces of film and, and, you know, bringing to light, you know, Alzheimer's and and, and how horrible that can be, um, and raising money for that. So like, God bless Rita was, was one of the fucking greats. Like I don't, (laughs) we've had many wonderful actresses come through, but like, I just don't know if like we'll ever get someone like that in Gilda ever again. And and it wild to me because it feels like, I didn't know. Yeah. And like, uh, you know, if, if I you didn't don't know, know. <laughs> if you didn't know, um, <laughs> no. Um, but now, yeah, I mean, seriously, for everyone out there, like if you're wanting an accessible, um, you know, way into old Hollywood, like a couple of movies that me and Gavin mentioned are, are certainly, you know, I mean, God, the, the Strawberry Blonde yeah. is, is basically a Kate Hudson film. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> Uh, so definitely recommend checking out Miss um, Rita Hayworth and seeing for your own two eyes like the true star wattage and power of just like how they fucking used to make stars. They don't make them like they used to. Absolutely. Um, but remember, like they truly did make them. And, yeah, and, they <laughs> physically made them and that's not great. <laughs> and, that, and, and that's fucking crazy. Um, but yeah, I guess that wraps up Rita Hayworth. And what a true icon she is. And if you ever want to drop us a line, you can always find us on Twitter. We're still going to call it Twitter at, at the Mixed Reviews. While it's still up and while it's not a Nazi playground. <laughs> you can also find us on Facebook to type in the Mixed Reviews. You can always email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at the underscore mix underscore reviews. And we are on a plethora of podcast apps if you want to listen to our back catalog like you just listened to this episode. Also, make sure you stop by and leave a five-star rating and write a little review. And if you leave us a positive review, we'll read it on the show. It's lovely. You can you can literally write whatever you want. You could do five stars and then write tomato, tomato, tomato. <laughs> you, If you are building an atom bomb, you can put our faces on that atom bomb, okay? Um, Th- this is our Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah, honey. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... We will see you all in a couple of weeks on our next episode. I hope you all are having a lovely summer. Get Please your Barbenheimer. Stay cool. Get your Barbenheimer <laughs> on. Um, and until then, bye. Bye bye. Uphill he is, but still he is all mine. And I'll keep him until he And bewildered like me.